0: The Lord is good. If you believe that, give me an amen. Amen. Again, we give the Lord thanks because he's going to give us understanding today. He's going to give us insight. He's going to help us. He will teach us. He will correct us. And we'll have understanding. In the name of Jesus Christ. Now, please, instead of our usual declaration of understanding that we usually take before we start to study... I'd like us to take the one we take before we start to pray. We did that last time. I'd like us to do it again. We're just going to take the declaration out loud. All right, one two, let's go. We enter into the presence of the Father, each one as a renewed child of God. We have not come in the power of the good works which we have done. We have come only because of the grace and mercy which we have in Christ Jesus. We thank the Lord for saving us. We thank the Lord for washing us clean. We have come to Mount Zion to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. We have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. We have come to God, the judge of all. We have come to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. We have come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks better things than the blood of Abel. We declare in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 I said, Amen. Amen. Now that is the declaration we take here. Anytime we want to start to pray. It's our basis of approach to God. And we're going to discuss um, on that today, hopefully, if the Lord allows us. All right, the Lord is good. Let's sit down for a moment. All right, we're going to continue looking at um, our prayer basics. Uh, but before I do that, I want to remind us of something. There's something we have taught again and again here, and that is, I I will recommend quickly that what I want to do briefly now, uh, you go and check the series, The Rod of God, or something like that. I think that's the title that we gave it, okay? And what's the basis of that? There are two sides to it. Number one, God gave Moses, you know the story, a rod with which he did signs. You remember that? God told him that with this rod, you will do what? You will do signs. And that was what Moses was using to do all the signs that God gave him in Egypt. So Moses will strike a rock with that rod, and water will come gushing forth. Moses will put that rod inside the sea, and it will turn um, red. Moses will use that rod to do many things. And most importantly, in our story of the life of Moses and the people of Israel, He lifted that rod over the Red Sea and divided the Red Sea. Do you remember that? He did that. Now, if you could see also, just to add to it, the Bible says concerning Joshua, in the book of, um, of course, in Joshua, when we went to Ai, you remember the story of Ai? First time they went, there was a problem because there was sin in the midst of the people. But when they went the second time, they had done the necessary purging and God told them what to do. Now, the Bible says at the end of the day, because we know they, they won that battle the second time. But in verse 26 of chapter 8, the Bible says Joshua did not withdraw his hand with which he stretched out the javelin until he had utterly destroyed all the inhabitants of Ai. That is, what happened was that while they were fighting, Joshua stood some distance away and he pointed his javelin, literally. This was not figurative. He pointed it literally. Okay, in that direction of the city. He pointed it. God required him to do that. He wasn't there fighting. His men were there fighting. But he just lifted his rod and he pointed it. I will remember the time of um, Moses also, when they were fighting. Where were they fighting? Where were they fighting? That's when Moses was on the mountain, was it the Amalekites out there? Anyway, but remember when, um, what are their names? Aaron and Hur. They stood beside Moses. Because any time that Moses' hand would drop... Now, what Moses was doing, he was carrying his rod. I want you to bear it in mind. His rod was up, and any time his hand would go down, Joshua would begin to lose the battle. Joshua had not taken over at that time. And any time his hand would go up, the people would begin to prevail. That is, the people of Israel, Joshua and his men, would begin to prevail. It became clear that victory was not dependent on the skill of the men of war. It was dependent on the position of... Of the hands of Moses, with which he lifted up his rod. Do you get my point? I mean, you couldn't argue it. They noticed it. That was why, of course, the battle took a long time, and the hands of Moses began to get tired. If you don't realize that, you go and take his, just take a small stick, carry it up like this. You will get tired. So those men now made Moses sit down, and they stood and they held up his hands. But the rod had to stay up. That's why we taught then on the rod of uh, the, the the rod of God. The rod has to stay up. The rod stands for the word of God. Now Moses did not, if you watch many movies, you think Moses went to the Red Sea, struck the Red Sea, and the Red Street divided. No, he lifted his rod over the sea. I don't know how many hours he did. And he watched the wind come, and the wind began to beat on that water until the water was divided. If you ask me to estimate, I would say Moses had his hand up for nothing less than two hours, Possibly up to four hours or more, and his hand was up. So, if you saw a movie which did like this and struck the Red Sea, and then the Red Sea just had a divide That's not a zip. Are you <laughs> As if you just unzipped the Red Sea. No. He kept the rod over the sea and his hands up, and he was there. See, that's what grace is. Grace does not make life. I'm looking for which word to use. It doesn't take away responsibility from life, it just makes difficult things possible. I hope you're getting my point. Grace does not take responsibility away from life. It just makes difficult things possible. Of course, if you have to gather 10 million men all right, with um, buckets to scoop away the water in the Red Sea, you will never succeed in a 100 years to get that sea to dry because more water will keep coming. So that was a difficult thing. So for you to keep your hand up over the sea was much easier. But on its own, keep your hand up with a rod in it was not an easy thing. But the, Result it got, the result it got cannot be compared to the effort you put in. That's what grace does. As a believer, grace still requires you to study the word. Grace still requires you to pray. Grace requires you to pray to walk in righteousness, like we discussed last time. Grace requires you to work. Grace requires you to get up in the morning on time, dress up, and go out and go and do your business. Grace requires you not to be lazy. Grace requires you to be diligent, but the result that you bring in your life cannot be explained by the amount of effort you put in. I hope you're getting my point. Never forget that. All right? So grace does not mean we're just lazy. We sleep at we just sleep at home. And what are you doing today, man? i are all walking by grace, man. I don't have time for arm or flesh. People did those things when we were in school. Young people when they learn faith. You no, know, there's something I've said before. The accuracy of doctrine is not about a result of intellectual ego. It's where the state of the heart is. So lazy people, when they had faith, they felt, "Ah, excuse not to go to class again." You See what I said? When you taught them faith, they said, "Ah, there's no need to go to class now." So they kept on sleeping and declaring their results by faith, that you will possess it as you see it as far as your eyes can see. So their eyes were seen, a a, a While they were in their bed, and once you're in on your bed, you can't see anything. You are dreaming. I hope you' getting my point. They said they are walking by faith. We saw it in those days in school. People would not read. Some of them were very good Christians, so they went for evangelism. So instead of restoring their books, they went for evangelism. But it didn't work for them ultimately. We learned from some of those people's experiences that, no, something must be wrong. Then we went and studied and found out that, no, each person, each season of life has a duty, has a responsibility. And when you're a student, your duty for that season is study. Your duty for that season is rise up early, be in class by 8 a.m., attend all your classes, do your extra work, do your assignments, prepare for your examinations. That's the duty. You cannot say because of grace, you will not do your duty. So when God fails a child of God who doesn't do all of that is to call him to order, call her to order. God did not send you to school to go and pass exams. He sent you there to go and learn. So if you are not learning and passing, you are not fulfilling the will of God. I hope you're getting my point. God is more interested in your learning than in your person. Seek first the kingdom of learning and every other person shall be added unto you. That's the principle of God. So you can't use grace to subvert the primary purpose of being a student. So if you're a student you're hearing this, go to class. Read your work. Do your work properly. Don't be lazy. Stop spending your energy watching football. You can watch one match a week. It's good enough. you're a student, when you're not on holiday, I hope you're getting my point. Remove Instagram and Facebook from your phone. You shouldn't be chatting away. This political season, there's nothing you are doing in a chat group where they are discussing. Are you a member of INEC? Do you follow my point? Yes. Today, I refuse. I said chat group where people are always talking. Today, I refuse to go there at all. I said no. I'm not in INEC. We'll be fighting on who did not rig. If your candidate is winning, they did not rig. If your candidate is losing, they rig that one. I said, no, I'm not getting involved. So as a student, you have to be careful with your time. You have to manage time well. Then grace is manifested. I hope you're getting my point. So bear that in mind. I just wanted to drop that briefly. That grace does not mean we are lazy. So Moses was not lazy. He worked hard to lift up the rod of God. Now that's not where I'm. That's not where we are going. I want us to pray for this nation a bit. That's why before we start our message for today, okay? Now, why did I say all of this? Because we're not coming to make any request of God. I'm convinced. We have, did we pray before? Have we prayed for this country again and again? Yes. Did he hear? Yes. Did he answer? Yes. So, did he forget? Yes. So, this is what I understand. As believers, bear this in mind. Constantly lift up the rod of God over any situation you have prayed about. That's the lesson. What did I say? You pray about a situation. Believe God has heard you. You've not seen the answer, physically speaking. Continue to lift up the rod, with signs given. What does it mean to lift up the rod? We are the Red Sea; it must part. We take the word of God and keep it over the situation. Do you follow my point? You take the rod of God and keep it over the situation. There's something I noticed in Scripture yesterday. Share with my brother, Pastor Corey, he, said the exact, he said this scripture dropped into his heart also the day before. Then I shared it with my brethren. Somebody said, this is what the Spirit is saying now. And what is it? In First Kings, when God called Elijah, what are you doing here? And God told him to go to that mountain. I'm going to meet you there. That's the first Kings chapter 19. you remember something. No, don't bother opening to it. The Lord said to him, go forth and stand on the mountain before the Lord. The Bible says, and behold, the Lord was passing by, and a great and strong wind was rending the mountains and breaking in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. Did you hear that? And after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. Did you hear that? Mm -hmm. After the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of a gentle blowing. When Elijah heard it, he knew where the Lord was. He knew the Lord was in this one. He wrapped his face in his mantle. And he went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And behold, a voice, that is the voice of the Lord, came to him and began to speak with him. Let's stop it here. Why did I read this? When you see too much commotion going on around, the Lord is not there. You need to go and pray and say, Lord, where are you? Where's the sound of the gentle blowing in the midst of all of this? I want to know the truth? No, this is not scripture. This is what I, my own experience. I think I have heard it. Say, Pastor, tell us, I'm not telling you. I have heard it. If I start it, it will be political talk. So I don't want to start. But I've heard, I've, I've heard the sound. I know where the Lord is blowing. I'm not looking at INEC, not looking at who finally wins the presidency. But I can see the breeze of God walking. For that reason, people like me, we are full of rejoicing, both by faith and in reality. We can see it. But let's pray our prayer this evening for the nation. It's just to lift up the rod. The same things we used to pray before. The same foundation for our faith. The same words we took to God in prayer. We just lift them up again over this country. Simple things like, you are the governor among the nations. Nothing not new. We are lifted over the nation. Heaven rules in the affairs of this country. We just leave it over the country. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he has wrought on the earth. He now says the next line. He makes wars to cease. We just leave that over the. Ne- We're not saying anything. We're not even talking. You want to ask my opinion? I will say to the Lord, No answers, version 2. Amen. Many people are looking for things. They don't know the meaning of what they are looking for. That horseman. The law will not let you gallop across this nation again. Amen. It won't happen. Let's ask our feet. Just going for a few minutes, not, uh, not many minutes. I just want us to declare the word of God over this nation. Quickly, Let's open to the book of Psalms, Psalm 46. I just want to read it. In your mind's eye, alright? Just stand tall in your mind. Stand on a mountain. And you're looking down at this nation. In your mind, just that picture in your heart. And we're going to read that portion of the scriptures over what you are seeing, this nation that you are seeing in front of you. Are you there? Now we're going to read Psalm 46, not too many verses. We'll read verse 1, Psalm 46, and then we'll read verse 8 to verse 11. Do you understand that? All right, are you there? Now remember, what are we doing? In your mind, I climb up to a high mountain, in your mind. Now you are reading this over the nations in front of you. Nigeria is in front of you now. And you want to lift the rod of God over it. Want to let us go? Verse 1. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Verse 2. Add it to it. Therefore we will not fear. Though the earth should change. And though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea. Now go to verse 8. Go on. Come. Behold the works of the Lord. He has wrought resolutions in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots with fire. Cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. We are saying to Nigeria, cease striving amen. and know that he is God. Nigeria, cease striving. We speak to the soul of Nigeria, cease striving. We, the salt, the people of God um, in this nation, we declare, God is our refuge and strength. He's our present help in the time of trouble. We will not fear. We will not be disturbed. We speak peace upon this nation in the name of Jesus Christ. I say we speak peace upon this nation in the name of Jesus Christ please let me give you an instruction before you sleep when you go get home tonight. Read this over this nation again. And if I forget, as we are closing, please remind me. Verse in Psalm 46, verses 1 and 2, and then 8 to 11. Just read it over the nation. It's called lifting the rod of God. By it we are commanding peace. By it we are commanding that the will of God will be done. By it we are commanding that the plan, the purpose of God will be established. By it we are commanding that whoever God has appointed will sit on his throne. Yes. That's it. Quickly, let's add this one to it. Daniel chapter 4. What we are going to read there is the one we all know. Again, we're not praying. What are we doing? What are we doing? We are lifting up his rod. Over Nigeria, remember, climb up that mountain again. Don't come down. Don't come down. Are you coming down? Not yet. Now, first of all, let's read verse 3. Daniel chapter 4. One to let's go. How great are his signs, and how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion is from generation to generation. We are speaking to Nigeria. Once again, let's go. How great are the signs of the Lord, and how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion is from generation to generation. Now, quickly, go down to verse um, 17, all right? He said, I want to read part of it, then you read the rest with me. He said, this sentence is by the decree of the angelic watchers, and the decision is a command of the holy ones. Now, we are declaring over Nigeria that the living may know, go on, that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows it on whom he wishes and says over it the lowliest of men. Now, we are saying again to Nigeria, God is the one that chooses your rulers. Yeah. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. we are saying to this nation, this is the word of the Lord concerning you. He is a governor amongst the nations. He's a governor over this nation. He's a governor over this nation. Amen. Listen, this nation will kiss the sun. Amen. Say amen like you believe that. Amen. Nigeria will kiss the sun. Amen. You are subject to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now that name we will lift over this nation. Everybody say, he's the, prince of peace. he's the prince of peace. Say, he's the lord of lords. He's the, lord of lords. He's the king, of kings. He's king of kings. Now listen, as part of lifting up the rod of God, I should not forget, is to lift up the name of God over the nation. And that's why we read all of these things. When you say, he's a governor among the nations. That's his name. He will command peace concerning this land. Amen. Somebody say amen to that. I said, he will command peace concerning this land. I said, he will command peace concerning this land. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Now say after me, Jesus Jesus is Lord. Lord. Jesus Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Peace. Jesus Jesus is the Lord of Lords. Lords. Jesus Jesus is the King of Kings. Kings. Jesus Jesus is the Governor among the nations. Remember, you're on that high mountain. You are speaking over this land. Say it again. King of Kings. Kings, Lord of Lords. Lords, Lords. Prince Prince of Peace. His dominion dominion. is from generation to generation. generation generation. Say, over this land, from government to government, from the east to the west, from the 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 north to the south. south. Say, the church of God, God. we declare the word of God. Say, as the people of God, God. we declare the word of God. God. Jesus Jesus reigns over this land, over Nigeria. The Prince, the Prince of Peace reigns. Peace is established. Peace is established. Righteousness, is established. Righteousness is established. Peace, is established. Peace is, established. Is, established. is established. Righteousness is established. If you believe this, we'll just spend a few seconds and give him thanks. Just thank him. Thank him that your heart is not troubled. Thank him that your heart is not troubled. Thank him your heart is not troubled. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Let's take our seats. The Lord is good. Kingdom is the Lord's and is the governor over this nation. Hallelujah. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. All right, we began today by declaring that um, our usual declaration, which we use anytime we want to gather as a group to pray, in which we enter into the presence of the Father, as each one as a renewed child of God. And we have not come. We never come in the power of the good works which we have done. We come only because of the grace and mercy which we have in Jesus Christ. All right, so we took that declaration, and one of the reasons why I wanted us to do it is to get into the teaching we have for today as part of our prayer basic series. We are establishing again the basic truths concerning prayer. What is prayer? It's talking to God the Father about a situation, about an issue and invoking his power and his authority into your own sphere of influence. You have right over your body, you have right over your home, and collectively, we have right over the land that God has given to us. Jesus said, men ought always to pray and not to get tired of praying. Let's get back to that book of Luke chapter 18. I said to us, it's important we know the meaning of the word prayer, because if you don't, You will do many things as not praying, but because they are spiritual activities, you will feel very good and righteous when in actual fact you have not obeyed what the Lord said. Like I said, fasting is not prayer. It's a good spiritual activity, but it's not prayer. Studying the word is a fantastic, necessary, commanded spiritual activity, but let's not confuse it with prayer. Last time, we spent a lot of time seeing how studying the scriptures helps us to get ready to pray. Because there are acceptable words before the Father. When you are coming, you watch your steps. You don't just come in and say anything you like. Be very careful. You don't come with a wrong attitude. It's very important. So when you study, you learn those things. When you study, you find out the promises of God. And you shape your life now. You shape your desires according to the promises. If you, are, if you can shape your desires by the word of God, shape your desires by the word of God, shape your desires by the word of God, then you carry that word to God in prayer. You carry that, so anytime you are coming to God, you are coming, listen to this, you are coming to him, his will being your desire. I hope you get my point. You don't come to, you know, sometimes people say something like this. Now, it's not totally wrong. I just want to rearrange the order. They say find scriptures that support what you are looking for. So what we have is that we first look for something, then we'll now find scriptures to support it. No, it's not that's okay if you are very disciplined. So that if you don't find scriptures, you you drop it. But the truth is that you're supposed to study scripture or the studies of scriptures on a regular basis and let it create your desires. I hope you're getting my point. L- listen, it's not just that I want to enjoy my life, oh, so God give me long life. No. You are reading scriptures one day, and it says, "With long life we satisfy you." If you are planning before to die at the age of thirty-five, I actually met a man once, a doctor, we were both working in an institution in Lagos. One day we were talking in the common room. He said he doesn't want to live beyond the age of sixty. And I said, "Why?" He said, I you at sixty, they will be carrying you from bathroom to bedroom to here." And in my mind, at sixty, how many people know President Obasanjo? Is anybody carrying that man anywhere? When he turned 80 something the other day, 82, I think, they organized a novelty football match and the man played. He jogged into the pitch and he was running up and after the ball at 82. Was anybody carrying him? Went for a birthday a few months ago. One man sat beside me, very nice man, slim, you know, tall man, greeted me very well, was very, very nice and a you know, talk with my wife, talk with me. Then my wife asked me a question. And I saw her mouth open. I said, what did he say? He said, he said he's 90 years old. <laughs> Do you remember? <laughs> the man was a former ambassador. He, you know, he came for a, a birthday party. The person was celebrating was like 84, 85. So, you know, talking about the birthday, this is my boy. Today's his birthday. That kind of attitude. He was very straight. Came with his wife. And he was full of smiles. I saw a man at the age of 90. He jogs to, to the top of his, the hill in front of his house every day. I saw him on TV. Some old woman she was eighty something in the gym. One of them, I think she's seventy something, she was still working out, bodybuilding and teaching people. One man retired at the age of eighty something. This man is sick, I think, in India. He retired from um, I think eighty five, I can't remember that age. He retired from running half marathon. You know what they call half marathon. Full marathon is 42 kilometers. So this man was running half marathon at 80 something. 21 kilometers. Bros, I can't remember running one kilometer since I was in secondary school. 20 something kilometers, I'm into my car. My car can't do the jogging. I don't. <laughs> this man retiring from running half marathon, he was 80 something. They say, why is he, re- why is he retiring now? He's kind of getting tired. He's not start stopping running. He's just stopping racing in half marathon. He started running at the age of 75 to cure depression. His wife of many years died. So he was very sad. So they told him, come and start running. To improve your depression. So he started running. And I saw this man running. And he said, small, small boys are 50. They said, you know, at our age. What is wrong with your age? Now, what i going to say, so, that young man that day, he told me that, as you are like him, the one day you are reading through your Bible, then you see that he said in that Psalm 91, that with long life he will satisfy you. Then you hear that Isaiah prophesied that, you know, the kingdom of God, people who, are, who die young, die at the age of 100. Now, you don't, it's not about your genes or your desire to just stay on this side and not go away. You just realize this is what God promised. So next time you're talking about the issue of long life, you take what God said. It forms your desire. So that man who says something at the age of 60, that he wants to die at the age of 60, just stop saying it. Because you know, it doesn't please God. You you have to understand that for God, it's, very, 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 it's a painful thing and precious thing. Like the Bible says, if you have to die early in life, just bear it in mind. Don't take pride in that I don't want to live beyond the age of 60. That's what we mean by forming your desires from scripture. In my life, one of those things that God did for me after I left school, because as a young man, me too, I felt that one day we were going to be rich, we were going to hammer, we believe we had faith. Then I started hearing the word of God. I heard the word of God in different phases in my life. All right? There was a very elementary one we started. I can't remember the ones we learned in secondary school, more than don't lie, don't steal, you no know, stuff like that. Then when I got to university, we began to learn the word of faith. I still remember the first book I read was Five Hindrances to Growth in Grace. Then went through Kenny Higgins' books, uh, books E.W. Canyon, all those books, until I left university. By the time I came back from NYC, I stumbled into John G. Lake, began to listen to Direct Prince in a different dimension. And many of those men, when I saw the life of self-denial, they lived. Do you get my point? I'm being honest with you. Being honest. You know, I listened to Bishop Uyedipo so much that people started telling me that, and when you listen to Bishop Wadekot, you know, they started saying some negative things about him. And I couldn't understand what their problem was. Because when I listened to him, hmm, I lost material things, meant nothing to me anymore. Without the breakthrough, breakthrough he was preaching. The desire for earthly things, actually, I lost it. So when people said they were getting covetous, and I didn't, that was not my experience. When I interacted with some of those men in those days, I just wanted, you know, the power of the ages to come. Yeah. That's what I told you. I've I've given testimony many times. Then God took me to Lagos. I mixed with people who were well-to-do. And I saw that they did not struggle like my boys, my friends, who were working three jobs because they wanted to buy a small. How many people remember Honda Quintet? You remember Honda Quintet? That microscopic thing. They were working three jobs in a day to be able to save enough money after like six months to buy a Honda Quintet. And I hung around people that made a few phone calls and made more money in a single transaction than my friends, twice what my friends needed for their Honda Quintet. They made it in 24 hours. And it took the salaries that were earning in six months to buy a pair of shoes as young doctors. If you had one job, your salary in six months was with their one pair of shoes. Uh-uh. Men were putting, like one man said, you put three suits together, suits, you know, three suits, hmm? and it has bought your car. Not four, not five. You just take three suits off the shelf, and the price is that your small underacquainted. quintet. I saw people like that. At the end of the day, I lost the drive. To pursue anything in life, I said to the Lord, "If you want to bless me, it's your problem. If you don't want to bless me, this guy will never complain. I told him,, I'm not joking about it. I told the Lord that. I just realized that if you are struggling to make to be rich in this life, you just die for nothing, and it's in the scripture. You just, that is you will all wake up in the morning, you just die. The pressure of pursuing money will all kill you for nothing. I realized that those who had it, they were not rising up early, I'm going to bed late. They were just working like normal people. I heard that their salary was 100,000 times our own. Now, why am I saying all of this? That was the phase of life I got to. I was walking around like that, feeling very happy with myself. Okay, oh, don't forget. One part I told the Lord that, if you are going to do me like that, the one that you did, John G. Lake, that his wife died of hunger, I don't want that one. If you are going to make me like I've said, please don't give me a wife. There's nothing wrong with being single, especially as a preacher. I don't know why people to harass preachers to go and marry. Once you have the grace just stay there. Ah, true, I got to that point. I told the Lord that, and then one day I was reading my Bible. I was studying a book. Can't remember who wrote the book, and I was reading my Bible. Then I got to the Book of Isaiah, chapter sixty-six, and in verse twelve, he said, "Behold, I will cause prosperity to flow towards you like a river, and the wealth of the nations like an overflowing stream." That's I give you the background. When I read that, I realized that my life was not going to be the way I had resigned it to. Do you get my point? The scripture came and it shaped my desire. So that till now, I still use that thing in prayer. Till now, especially, I use it in thanksgiving. Anytime money comes into my hand, I tell the Lord, thank you, for your word is fulfilled, which says, behold, I will cause prosperity to flow towards you like a river, and the wealth of the nations like an overflowing stream. I hope you're getting my point. That is, learn to interact with the word of God. Let it shape desires for you. The word, I mean, I, I, the people do that nonsense now. They make it look like if you have one child, one and a half, two, you have done the will of God. And they say things like, are you selling them? I don't know whether I ever went through that stupid phase of life. I, think, I don't think I did. They say, what is it, itself? Do you want to sell them? Somebody has a fifth child, I say, ah, ah. Yeah? and you are looking at them like, what is wrong with you? And you are looking at them like that. That your eye is a sinful eye. Amen. <laughs> it's a sinful eye. How do I know? Not because see, I went through that. I studied in school too. They told us the dangers of having many children. You have to understand the dangers of a sinner having many children. Yeah, it's true. Don't forget it. I met a gynecologist once, was my old, senior colleague who worked in Law. So one day we met somewhere, we were talking. When we were in school, we had this topic with the teachers the dangers of grand multiparity. Big English, which means you had many children. So if a woman starts five children, we call her a multi parous woman. If you have the number of children, if you have two, three. But if you have more than five, they say grand multiparous. So they are the dangers of grand multiparity. And they will give you this and that. No the, I've forgotten the terminology, sorry. But the way I'm going is this. But what what they used to teach is that if you have many children, these are the problems that arise with pregnancy and delivery. Basically, you just die. You will bleed to death. Your trust will not contract well. Placenta will separate. No, they will just scare you. All of it's political medicine to tell you that you're a sinner and the curse of the Lord is in your house. So this gynecologist, one day, of course, I learned all those basic things as the medical student. I did not do gynecology, uh, obstetrics, obstetrics as my post, my postgraduate. But he's an obstetrician and gynecologist. So one day we just two were talking, and he was saying that they've noticed that these women, they call is it either grandmothers or great grandmothers, women that have twelve children, thirteen children, one after the other, maybe one or two sets of twins inside. You know where they found them? Amongst Jews, and they don't have problems is what I heard I said? That the teaching that they were not revising, like are we sure? That they were they would do these studies, they would see a woman, 12 children, you see a woman, 13 children, one woman that had the largest number of watch, In fact, they had a television show on her. She had 19, and only about two sets of them were twins. The woman was just a bond go. <laughs> Most importantly, there was nothing wrong with her. One day when I was doing my NYC. I was in clinic, seeing patients. Uh, you know, Normally, part of, what what you question patients, you know, what's wrong with you. A part of the uh, women are like that. One of the questions you ask is, how many children do you have? How many pregnancies have you had? I just routinely just said, how many children do you have? The woman said, 11. So I paused. I looked up. Madam, how many children do you have? She has had 11 children. Ah. I remember what I said in my mind. I didn't tell her. 11, and you're still looking like this? I was looking prim and proper. I said, they lied to me in school. <laughs> Sinners wrote those books. You shouldn't be believing things that happen to people that God hasn't blessed. Yes, so I trade with that nonsense doctrine. And I tell people, satisfaction is the issue. And please stop telling us stupid things like, economy is bad. Economy has been bad for a long time. I need to remember that for a very long time. I never had anybody tell me, economy is good. Somebody said, ah, if you have many children now, <laughs> uh, how are you going to take them abroad? I said, what's wrong with staying in your house? <laughs> what is wrong with staying in your house? One day my wife wanted to travel. Oh, was she good Okay, she was going to the U.S. She now came and said, whether eh, she can take two of the children. You know I'm a man of God. I look at her like, what did you say? You know, when you are taking children to Europe, it's not a problem. America is a problem. You say, why? The country is big. So if you go to Europe, just fly to one place. Mom, you don't reach where you go. America, you go land one place. Okay, my brother did the other side. That's three hours flight. So I don't do mental calculation. I said, who told the children want to go somewhere? <laughs> so I called one of them. I said, let's do a deal. You either follow your mother to America. Or I take you three times to shop, right? <laughs> to the mo- <laughs> Then they had the um, PS2. I said, I buy you PS3. And I buy you this number of games. Choose one. He was this guy that spoke that day. I killed. He said. Daddy, America can't wait. <laughs> the mother said, What is wrong with you? This what's he, he told the mother, he said, Mommy, there will always be America. Don't worry about that one. What is it? Ah, can't you see what this guy is offering? And for me, in my own calculation, I've not even finished the money of one ticket. That time. My was said, "No, they will see their cousins. I said, "Skype." <laughs> data was not so cheap like now. I said, "Don't worry, I will go and buy data. I will put on Skype. Everybody will gather. to see each other, see each other." I see some things. Listen, listen. You go to what do you want that place? Disneyland. Disneyland is not as interesting as rolling tire at the back of the yard. How many of you have rolled tire? Modern, they don't roll tyre. We used to roll tyre down the street. Yes. <laughs> Nonsense. <laughs> Be harassing me with don't, don't don't come. And we all give themselves a headache. Just have your, give yourself funny desires that God didn't give you. Listen, if you go into the bush, you don't have. I didn't grow up in Enugu. All right. I grew up in a normal, not really rural, because they don't have much of that. My own part of the country, but okay, like in secondary school, we had mangoes. I went to a mission school, big compound. We used to sneak away from school to enter the bush to go and pluck Agbalumo. How many people know Agbalumo? What do you call it? Udara, thank you. Thank this this one. <laughs> I had a classmate call. We used to call him Buguleje. You know what they call Woleje. This guy, you've not seen that tree. That tree can grow tall. This guy will mount it like a like monkey. <laughs> <laughs> man, that's Disneyland, man. Judge <laughs> of the Jungle live. We have Tarzan. Had everything. we going to Disneyland. Your tree, you never, you never go back here. Go climb tree. You are going to You are not allowed to go to Disneyland until you've climbed a tree. And you have cooked soup in a tin. Yeah. <laughs> Brother, let's face it. Which one is better? That one or this <laughs> that one? That one. <laughs> the Lord is good. Now, I'm saying all of that to remind us of something. When people just get up, just create desires that the world gives to them. And they neglect what the word of God says. So when I go to that, Psalm 127, and it said, children are the heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is a reward. He said, blessed is the one who has a quiver full of them. I don't have to like to have many children. I mean, I believed this funny lie of two. One. But the day I read it, I just changed my mind. It doesn't mean I'm not going to have 20. It just means I have just changed my mind. So when I go to God in prayer, I said, this was what you said. Fulfill this word in my life. That's what it means to so pray according to the will of God. What we do, we do many times that the world gives us desires. When I say, God, fulfill what Warren Buffett said in my life. Fulfill what, you know, the other guy's name? Robert Kiyosaki said in my life. Retire young, retire rich. Say, Lord, you can do all things. The Lord said, I'm aware. <laughs> so what do you want me to do? I want to retire young and retire rich. And God said, you are not my child. <laughs> you are the child of Robert Kiyosaki. I'm meeting to bless you. The Lord is good. What should you have said to the Lord? He said, mark the righteous man. will be mighty on earth. And then they will be old and full of sap. Say, Lord, retiring young is not my portion. I want to serve you all the days of my life. From the time I'm young till I'm old, show me the assignment for my life. I was not sent to go and lay up treasure on the earth. I hope you're getting my point. That is how we pray according to the will of God. So we are discussing that last time. Just want to remind us of that. Because our school of prayer, we are learning the prayer basics. This is our school of prayer. So let's continue. What I want to continue in today, for the time we have remaining, is go back to the book of Luke chapter 18, please. We will read and explain some things. Now from verse 1 to verse um, 8. That he told us a parable to show that at all times we ought to pray and not to lose heart. Then furthermore in that prayer, in that um, chapter, he gave another parable to show us the pattern of approach to God in prayer. In verse 9, and he also told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. The parable goes like this. Two men went up. Into the temple to pray It's a parable by prayer. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself: "God, I thank you that I'm not like other people—swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pray tight of all that I get." In verse 13. We read that the tax collector, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven. That is, he felt unworthy. But was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. I tell you, Jesus was saying, this man went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. But he who humbles himself will be exalted. Now, I want to remind us of this again. We do this here all the time. But please, the temptation falls on our way so many times that occasionally, without realizing it, we fall for the temptation. Do you get my point? What is the basis of our approach to God? Please. David said, if God were to number iniquity, nobody would stand. You know, Jesus said something here. Some people think that they are righteous. Let's estimate the meaning of the word righteous again, or righteousness. Righteousness is the right you have to approach God. Did you get what I said? What did I say? Righteousness is the right you have to approach God. That worthiness, that ability, do you get me? For example, you come into my house, you don't knock, you just yank the front door open. You walk down this, the um, short corridor in the house, you climb the steps, you get to my bedroom, and then you tap gently or you yank the door open first, and then you knock. There's a reason my, my bedroom is one kind. Right, you can do that without getting to the room. If you did that, instantly I start calling the names of my children. I don't know whether I get my point. Nobody else in this universe, as my wife is in the bedroom with me. Nobody else in this universe does that. It's those students that have the boldness to yank the door open, front door, without knocking. Walk around the house, climb the steps, get to my door, yank the door open before knocking. Like I said, there's a a way my bedroom is you can do that without really getting into the room. All right? Now, so, if I'm in the room, I just hear the door open, and I'm waiting for the knock. The knock comes shortly after. Well, there's a reason why they do that. The reason why they do so, because you're wondering. Is that like if you are talking from behind the door, the way the door is, it's hard to hear you through it. So they've learned to open the door so they can talk. So they open the door first, knock, and then say what they want. So before you even talk, the moment you open the door, I start checking through your footsteps that I heard coming up. The way you step, I know. If you don't hear anything, one that, that should be going a steps like a chameleon. <laughs> <laughs> you know, different people. But the point I'm making is that instantly. I know you have to be one of the children. You have to be. Nobody else has that right. That is what is called righteousness. You don't feel like uh, somebody will stop me. Somebody says, stop. You look like him. Who might you be? That is you that are stopping me. The person, what is wrong with you? And of course, I've never gotten it wrong. Never. It's usually be one of them. The sense of, you know, Right, you know, worthiness. That if I get there, I will be accepted. That's what is called righteousness. I hope you get my point. The Bible now says, hearing is the righteousness of God revealed. Now, there are different kinds of righteousness. The one Jesus is talking about here is the righteousness a man has. Wrongly, erroneously, in which he comes to God because he thinks he has done. Done, the word is done. Something that gives him the right to get something from God. Which is the reason why I will preach this thing until everybody believes it. It's the reason why the doctrine of give so that God can give you actually stops you from receiving from God. Do you hear what I said? Because the Bible says the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. It is by faith that we are made righteous. And what is that faith? The faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that is the reason why I can approach God and expect to be heard, is not that I have done everything right or there is something specific I did. Anytime you have something in your mind that you did so that God will do back for you, you have just missed it. Some the other day demanding a refund of his tithe. Many of you may have seen it. My wife said he should have gone to meet God, she is kingdom of heaven. I said, No, this was the banker that collected on God's behalf. That's true. That's true. So we're tossing up and down the house. My wife said, No, he invested in heaven. I said, But this was the bank office. Heavenly you know, investment. Because they gave him the booklet that says Kingdom Investment. And the man lifted it up. He said, Just refund these ones, I have proof. He said there are many other ones. That He said, I can't prove those ones, but I've done plenty. He said, he, he read all the scriptures that he gave him. He said, let me tell you, I'm no longer interested in that kingdom. He said, if you see me there, drive me away. He said, in fact, I want to go to hell. You know, he said that. He said, just give me my money. Please, I need to say this again and again until everybody believes it. People say, when you want to pray, bring out that title booklet and show it to God. That is how to be punished by him. That's how to get nothing from his hands. He will reject your presence. He will never accept you. Please, let's get it clear. I will say this also. If you ever go to God, you know, you want to pray. You first fast before you pray. You are wasting your time. Some of you are looking at me funny. What are you thinking? See, let me tell you something there. If you need to be hungry before you have the boldness to talk to God, you have come on wrong premises. You are approaching him wrongly. It's a bad habit you learned from childhood. And you need to drop it. It's a nonsense, useless habit. Now, I did not say don't fast. That's it don't fast. What I said is what? So that you can pray is useless. The moment it's time to pray, God is ready to hear. The story I like to tell all the time is Hannah. It was after she ate. Yeah, because her husband talked to her, persuaded her, gave her food to eat and something to drink. It was after that she went to pray and God still heard. So for you to give yourself this impression that before we pray, we will fast. Listen to me, let me say it straight. It is a senseless idea, spiritually. It doesn't have any sense. You can fast. And pray. Do you hear what I said? Yes, that is, the praying and the fasting, they are going on together. The fasting is not the basis of the prayer. It is not to make sure God can hear. It's just that you are busy praying. The Bible says, as they minister to God and fasted. Which one came first? Ministering to God. It was not as they minister, fasted and ministered to God. I'm talking about you know, when God said... Um, Let's read that quickly, because sometimes people get these things wrong. Acts chapter thirteen. It's said in verse one. Now they were at Antioch in the church that was there, prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Manaen, all right, and then Saul. I just to save time, I called out their names. There are some other comments on them. The Bible says, while they were what? While they were what? Ministering to the Lord. And fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Notice, wh- 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 where I'm going is this. You will see that they were there in the place of prayer. They were there in the, place of, in the place of praise and worship. So the prayer and the fasting were going together. The fasting was not, let us fast so God can hear us. And they continued. And they fasted and prayed. They were going on to get that. Please, I hope you're getting my point here. It was not as if, "Eh, eh, please, fast so that God can hear you. Because many people, when they have troubles, they postpone the praying till evening so that they don't eat the whole day. And I'm wondering, what if the trouble damages you before evening? (laughs) Do you get my point? The concept of when I will have punished myself a bit, God will not show me mercy is on Christian. For those of you who may not have heard me teach about this before, let me just spend a minute or two to explain. Fasting for believers is not about punishing your flesh. It's about concentrating on the word of God. What did I say? Hey, hey, speak loud like you heard everything. Start from fasting. It's about concentrating on the word of God. That is, fasting for believers is not about let me punish myself first. It is not. It is, that's why I take to be Christians. First, God said it clearly. The kind of fast I choose is to change your ways. That is God said it is the kind of fast I choose. Correction of your character. So why do we believers fast? You know, like abstain from things. Again, you abstain from things. It's not just food. I use the word things because you cannot say you are fasting and then you are there monitoring INEC results. <laughs> <laughs> Do you get my point? You are fasting and you are refreshing the live update page every few minutes to find out the result from uh, a boy. What was it? The one from Nasarawa. What did he say? What is now happening in uh, Bauchi? And you tell me you are fasting. You yeah, are fasting. You are doing ad hoc work for INEC, election monitor. European Union. Do you get my point? You can't say you are fasting and say, tonight is El Clasico. You are hungry and you are shouting, Go Ronaldo, go Ronaldo. You are not fasting. You are watching a match. The one that makes me laugh, and I'm sorry. Many people may not like it, but it's the truth. You can't say you are, you can't say you are fasting. You are not eating food. And you go for a wedding, reception. Even at church, if I ever understand, because in church, all we do is we pray. We worship, then we ask questions. Did they force you to come here? No. Did they force you to come here? No. If Did they didn't force you to say after me, I take you to you know his church. Let's bless this couple. Everything is spiritual. After that, you can go back to your fasting. The one I cannot understand, which I can tell you straight, is ungodly. You now get to the reception. Let's welcome the bride and groom. Everybody is dancing. Let's hold up the cup. Let's toast to them. And you say, no. They bring you you rice and chicken. You look at it like this. I put my body on that. Is it a sin? (laughs) That one, I can assure you, is against the will of God. Because the commandment of God is what? Rejoice with those who rejoice. You can't come to a wedding. Even Jesus, when he came to a wedding, there was no wine. He said, no, this cannot happen. Then, what do we do? Take the water to him. He went there and said, put the water in this. It to the aha, say guys, boys have come. You tell me there's no wine. We're fasting before we came, we reach here now. It cannot continue. You get the logic? Some people actually go to a wedding, they are dancing, and you're not eating. You know what it means? You're a wicked soul. You don't wish the husband and the wife well. You don't, yeah. That's how you are behaving. How can you come for a wedding? Your lip is dry. Let's bless the couple. You can't even pray, they are dehydrated. Please go home. Don't pollute the environment with with depression. The Bible calls him (laughs) money. There's a garment that's appropriate. You know, everything has an appropriate garment. Please, I hope you're getting my point. Don't glorify Buddhism, please. This kind of harsh punishment of the flesh, don't glorify it. It's not Christianity. Fasting for us, what is fasting for us? is concentration. I always like to give some practical tips. If you cannot take a leave, if you can't go on holiday, then take a few days. Do like Daniel. Daniel used to go to work, you know that. For three weeks he was fasting. He used to go to work. And what he said is that he didn't eat the normal food that they would eat. He didn't go for their buffets and all of that. He had little things you could just take a bite off and go back to work and get some energy. So this is what I tell people. This is what you do. The aim is to meditate on the word of God. The aim is to pray. The aim is to have the spirit of God minister to you. So there are simple tricks you can use. I can't take a leave, no problem. So I go to bed early. One of our big cable people, you know, uh, these are satellite television people, they called me the other day. We have a package for you. I said, I don't want package. I hung the phone. Why didn't you even hear what they wanted to say? I'm not interested. The reason I want you to give me that package now, I will have to start watching the package. I have no, when I don't have a package, I'm in my bedroom by 8 30. I relax on my bed. So I tend to fall asleep early. Now, this is where I'm going. Go to bed early. Sleep well. 3 a.m., wake up. Get up, pace up and down so that you don't fall back asleep. Have your scriptures in your hand. Read and think about the issues at hand. Have a pen and paper and meditate and pray. I hope you're getting my point. You can do that actually, literally, for the next three hours. Four hours. Do you follow me? And then you can take another 30 minutes nap, rise up again, and then get ready for the day. And before you leave your house in the morning, take your breakfast. You know what some people will do? They, sleep, they come home, sit down, watch television till 12 midnight. Then sleep till 6 a.m., then wake up, rush, everything, go to the office, Then when they are sharing breakfast at work, no, when they are leaving home, they will not eat anything. They are at work, they won't eat anything. Then when you say, are you not taking anything? I'm fasting. You are not fasting. Verily, verily, I say unto you, thou fastest not. Thou art practicing Eastern religion. Thou art getting a sense of righteousness from harsh treatment of thine flesh. And thou art not pleasing unto the Lord. I hope you are getting my point. Please never have this sense of accomplishment. I see churches do it all the time. Look, Pastor Banky doesn't do it. I don't believe in it at all. Send people out, don't eat the whole day, and you are going to walk. If they collapse now, do you think your server failed? Some people know what I'm talking about. Server did not fail. It did not upload food. One day, one brother told me, he said, they used to fast a Lord, that he used to see things like, you know, did I say ogre? used to see things. I'm supposed to trust that vision, you're not serious. I told him, I said, I'm sorry, I can't trust the vision. I said, when you have not eaten, circuit the jam. You'll be crossing the road, I just see a cat cross. There was no cat there. You've not seen it before? When you have not eaten. I saw one movie the other day, it's like a true story. The guys, these are soldiers who were fighting. They had been fighting for hours during the night. So one told you that one. I said, hey, somebody move over there. Aim this gun. And that guy looked. He said, Yeah, that window. Second window to the right. The guy collected the gun and said, Take a break. <laughs> Take a break. Take a break. He said, Take a break. He just collected the gun from hey, 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 hey what, what? Take a break. Before he started shooting spirits. <laughs> they had not slept. The guy was now seeing things. Spirits were going from one window to the other. And he was aiming the gun, tracking the spirits. People of God. You're not, that's not fasting. I really wish Christians would stop it. They have this sense of righteousness. Our church, we are doing a hundred-day fast. You see all of them. Half of them are at a construction site. hundred-day fast. That's not fasting. Fasting does not mean you don't eat anything. I should also add that one to it. Yes? Ah. What did I say? <laughs> These guys are afraid to say it. Pinch him. They are the pinch people. I didn't say you should enjoy him. I just uh, said. <laughs> it doesn't mean you don't eat it. That's one mistake people make. It doesn't. There's a mood of the moment. I hope you're getting my point. When they went for alumni convention, I was talking to my brethren there. Normally, we used to have a problem. We used to have eat breakfast very early, then start the program for the day. But years taught us that it was a bad idea. I had this principle that just let me eat a light breakfast. Then they can carry everything they have to do because they are women, they are children, they are men they are of different ages, you know, hundreds of us. But we now notice something that a lot of times the people that are supposed to get the breakfast out, they're supposed to have been there by seven thirty. They may not come till nine. So we find out that many times we waste a huge chunk of the morning waiting. So one day we said no, we won't do that anymore. Breakfast will be after prayer and Bible study. Initially, it was just a small time management thing. So prayer is 7 a.m. From prayer, straight to Bible study. So by the time we finish prayer and Bible study, then you guys can you'll be ready with your breakfast. Maybe 9, 10. Then one of those days, the Bible study kept on going. Kept on going. It kept on going. By 11 o'clock, we're still in the Bible study. Breakfast was there. But we could not interrupt the study of scriptures to go and eat. Everybody was engaged. So I tapped my friend, I said, this is what I call fasting. Are you getting my point? It's fasting. Fasting in the morning, we're there. I don't believe in the deliberate, we must be hungry. No. I don't believe in that. The food does not stop God from talking to you. It doesn't stop him, 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 him from hearing you when you pray. However, it needs you to be focused. So we started early in the morning. That's what it now became a habit. We started early in the morning with prayer, Prayer could be forty-five minutes, could be an hour. Immediately after, we break into classes. Bible studies will start, and the Bible study we go on, until it is finished. Because the different classes will not come together, we will not have the whole congregation summarize. The main teacher will not stand there summarize the things. So each teacher from different groups will come and say, "Okay, this was something we found in our group. Let's share with the whole center." There was an important question somebody asked. Let the whole house hear. That day we kept on going on and on. Eleven past eleven. And nobody was eager to break the flow until we finished. I can't remember, maybe around 12, finally went to have breakfast. So I said, this is what I call a fast. Not, listen, we're not going to eat. I said, hey, if you don't eat, then go. What, what does it mean? You want to know the truth? It means nothing. It means nothing. Don't get your confidence from those walks. These are the common things people use. If you have a problem, pray immediately. God will hear you immediately. Many times, the prayer is not exhausted because sometimes you have to discuss with the Lord in details. You have to line everything out for him. And many times, you know, that's what my experience over the years of prayer. You have to tell him everything you know. You have to quote the scriptures, right, that's giving you confidence. So sometimes you take it in stages. We'll be back again in the evening. In between, you study the word of God. One of the things i found over the years is that many times when there's a problem, a challenge, one of the best things I've found is to boost faith. You know how I boost faith? I listen to a message. You're not feeling where well, you're about to pray about the illness. Sometimes you boost faith. I remember then when I fell sick. I've told the story many times, I just went to Supernatural Living Series, David Oedipo. Tape two, I pulled it out, sat down, closed my eyes, and allowed the word to seep into me for about an hour. When the world was fully in, faith was boosted. I didn't even pray to God. The spirit of faith came upon me. I turned to the illness and I spoke to it and it fled. Do you get what I'm going say? So you do things like that to boost faith. It's not because God will not hear you special because you're hungry. I don't know, wherever we got that idea from, go and read scriptures. The only time people used to do stuff like that, okay, is when they have sinned and there's calamity. It comes as a form of repentance. And how do we get our own forgiveness as believers? We acknowledge our iniquity. And even those who used to do it, God said, listen, rend your heart, not your garment. Those guys used to do, they would not eat, they would tear their clothes, they wear sackcloth, you know the they call sackcloth, shuku-shuku cloths. Put normal cloth on so that you can't lie down easy. Imagine wearing Ghana must go, you know, back of super sack yeah. under your suit. Now, as you are moving, you think what they do you <laughs> That's what they used to do, sack cloth. But we don't do that as believers. We repent of our sins, we get on our knees before Him. But what I'm gonna emphasize is that we don't go into thinking that those are the things that give us confidence to approach God. They are those because they have not eaten for two days. They think God will hear them more than those who ate. And God cannot say, God is looking at them and saying, what am I supposed to now do with the fact that you are hungry? Does it change the way you talk? Did it improve the amount of scripture in your head? I hope you're getting what I'm emphasizing to emphasize towards here. Please, I'm emphasizing towards again today. Never approach God with any other confidence in your heart, any other righteousness, apart from that which you have in Christ Jesus. Jesus is called the new and living way, which he made through his flesh. By the, that sacrifice on the cross, he says you can come unto me anytime, time and I will hear you. Because the blood of Jesus covers your sins. I hope you're getting my point here. There is no other reason God hears you more than the fact that you came in the name of Jesus. What Jesus does is to make you acceptable before God the Father. Another thing people often get their sense of righteousness from is their offerings. Is it not true? I have tithed. God will hear me. I give, you know, what's an offering? Have you heard this funny thing before? Jukes, I'm sure you have heard it. The tithe is bees. The offering is anything above the tithe. How no that does have any how did you come up with all of those Apostle, how did you manage to create those doctrines? <laughs> Necessity. Necessity. you wonder? One man said something, a place where I was once, I just look at and say, my God, I wanted to tell him that. <laughs> Bro, leave this pulpit work. You will get injured. <laughs> it's like you see me now where they are carrying cement. Don't you not want to get injured? And they are carrying cement, just say, pastor, please move, <laughs> move back. We can't nurse anybody. Orthopedic hospital. You carry two baguette mom. Daddy, I looked the guy, the guy was preaching. I felt like I said, Oh boy, leave this work. You will get injured. This is not intellectual rigor. One day, one brother came and said, One woman, the woman said she's a prophetess. I'm not judging whether she is or she's not. That the woman said that what Pastor Bank is saying is not good. I said, What did I say? That I don't want Christians to be blessed. I said, How? That I said that uh, titan is not compulsory. You know what I told you, brother? I said, go and tell the prophetess. She should keep prophesying. She should leave me with the teaching. That's all I said. I said, eh, eh. I didn't argue with him. I said, bro, bro, when you see her next, tell her, I said, madam, you keep prophesying. That Pastor Bagu said he will be doing the teaching. This work, you get different levels. When you don't understand something, come and sit down and let us explain it to you. I prophesy that, that I'm wrong. I prophesy that what you are saying is not correct. <laughs> what kind of thing is that? <laughs> the Lord is good. What are we saying? That did that brother said, with your tithe you buy land. With your offering you plant seed for prosperity. Have <laughs> you ever been in jail? you just be like laughing. <laughs> I remember the ah, revelation. I said, no, I think you're joking. <laughs> I said, you're joking. I think you're joking. People will not carry their tithe booklet, they want to pray. Say, God is complete. That is how to be punished by God. Did you hear what I said? What did I say? Yeah. Because you are telling him, you don't realize it, that this is what you need before you can fulfill your promise in my life. You are telling him that the sacrifice of Jesus is not enough. Do you know, no matter how right you have done, even the things that he commanded, you still can't come on that basis to him? You can't. You can't. You, okay. You, let's even take the Ten Commandments. You fulfill them to the letter. Jesus said you still won't find eternal life. Is that not in your scripture? Yes. A young man came to. Him. Is that not what he said? Yes, Jesus looked at him and said, "You know the law. She said, that's how you wanted to do it. Try it." Say, "I've done this from my youth. What do I still lack?" Jesus said, "Good. What you lack is that you are not following me." That's what he said to him. And when you are following him, that's all you need. Do you get my point here? You cannot come to him and say, look at what I have done. It is forbidden. You must never have it in mind. Anytime you get on your knees, listen, have mercy on me. That's what this man said. The basis of our approach is mercy. And the name of the mercy of God is what? Jesus. Is what? Jesus. Is who? Jesus. Christ. The name of the mercy of God is is Jesus Christ. Anytime you say I ask you in the name of Jesus, like Jesus said, whatever you ask the Father in my name he will do for you. What it means is that I take the righteousness of Jesus and I apply it to you. I am not saying we don't do what is right as believers. Like I, Let's take about money as an example. I didn't say Christians don't give. Did I say so? No. Giving for us is a matter of two things. Basically one anyway, but let's just break it into two. It's about love and about faith. It's about love and about what? faith. What is love? Whoever or whatever I'm giving towards is because I care and I want to show the compassion of God towards the person or towards the thing. When I say thing, now it could be the work of the ministry. It could be somebody in need or I want to honor somebody. Those are the motivations behind my giving. I hope you're getting my point. What is this faith side of it? Somebody said, if you are concerned about tomorrow, you are trying to use the weight, the muscle of today to carry today's problem and tomorrow's problem. So, we, we are not worried about tomorrow. They say, lay up treasure on the earth. They say, for what? Because tomorrow may be hard. He said, "Sufficient unto the day is evil thereof. So, if I have money that I don't need today, I won't lay it up for tomorrow. No, now. I can easily give it. And those are the reasons why we give as believers. They undergird every other reason. We never, ever, ever give so that God can multiply it and will not prosper is a common doctrine in the body of Christ. Unfortunately, it is erroneous. God does things for us because he promised that he would. God does things for us because he loves us. God does things for us because we come in the name of Jesus. He does things for us because we can approach unto him because of our faith in Jesus Christ and no other reason beyond these ones that have spoken. Never feel it. I mean, people are telling things like, ah, I know when we we're giving. And you're looking like you were giving. What now happened? So now we are receiving. Just know that person is lost and confused. If you ever get to a point in your life, you think your giving has paid off. You have been confused. You are now working in real deception. Maybe you do a business. Money came. Wow. Praise God. Last week when they were saying, I knew it was the right seed to sow. You are confused. You are confused. As a believer, remember what we've discussed it before, our job when it comes to doing good works is to do it continually, constantly. Please, I need to say this. You cannot, now first, please, you have to know that I know everybody else is saying the opposite. I am telling you the truth of God. You cannot sow a seed towards something you want to receive from God. That doctrine is popular in the body of Christ, but it's a very faulty and baseless doctrine. You know what? Some people are hearing this for the first time. And they are fainting inside their heart. They don't calculate how much they have lost. So I came to hear you today. Things don't spoil. I'll say it to you again. You can <laughs> How much? <laughs> I was fine lose guilty, right? Listen to me. You know, let me just say something. Some people are very stubborn. You know what they are saying, Pastor Banke, I've been doing this for three years. Last time I was in church, Pastor said I'm close. You guess <laughs> you don't know. That's all for one night. People do. I'm not saying if your pastor is for one night. has been before one night. Two of you have been jobbed. You know I mean to job somebody? <laughs> like this guy. He must be eyeing me. I've been wondering. <laughs> One day, one of my friends—this really happened—not him directly to somebody he knows. The guy is a froster, so this my guy said that this froster that he knows was defrauding a white man, a foreigner, an American or European, something like that. And after a while, this guy spent, you know, tens of thousands of dollars sending him money. So after a while, his conscience—you know—what do I say now? His conscience is him. So he tried to confess to the man. Say, I'm sorry, everything I've told you is a lie. It's all a scam. The white man replied, that is not true. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not joking, I'm not joking. No, I'm telling you, this really happened. At least by the testimony I heard, it really happened. He told the guy that uh the business is about to click. He now wants to deny him of the fruit. That is not true. That any more money that is needed, you should just let him know. That he is not now going to pull out of when the business is about to click now. So the, the job man said, See me see what love. <laughs> Who am I to refuse the offering that's now coming? Yeah. So today, okay, maybe send 100 2000 The guy wired the money. I am not kidding. The guy wired the money. The guy said, See me see issue. I've confessed to this man that this is all is scam. The man says it's not a scam. I'm the would <laughs> out. And the scammy me is refusing. To accept that it has been scammed. You're all laughing. But Christians do it. When the young people like me teach and say, you cannot sow a seed towards something, they say it's a lie. Because in their mind, okay, I've been sowing for a long time. I'm about to enter now. You're telling me it's not true. So I leave them. Jonah? Where's Jonah? The other side. Okay, Jonah can testify to this. He told one pastor, these things I've said, that this is not how to. The pastor argued and argued. When they finished the argument, the pastor told him that, look, Brother, you are a lecturer. I am a pastor. So now that one keeps quiet. Say, this thing has gone to the professional issue now. He left it. Is it two or three years later? The pastor called the lecturer. Say, Mr. Lecturer, please, can you sit on the pastoral chair? Let me sit on the lecturer chair for a while. Because it looks like the thing you said may be true. Because all my sin, the last two years, he has not agreed to work. I told you he said, You know what happened? You spoiled his business. How? You went and told him the truth. In the times of ignorance, God decided to wink at the thing he was doing. The moment you came and presented the truth and he rejected it, God had to put a hand in and teach him by himself. Please let me tell you, people of God, this is very important. When you get on your knees to pray, make sure there is nothing you are hoping in more than the mercy of God, which you are connecting with through the name of Jesus Christ which you are connecting with by faith in his sacrifice. There is nothing else. Your life of righteousness does not, that is, your own, now, doing righteously is important. I'm not saying it is not. But it is not the basis for answered prayer. Many times it's a sign of faith. In fact, it is a sign of faith. Because if indeed you love God, if indeed you depend on him, you can't come to him with dirty hands. I hope you're getting my point. You can't go and kneel down and say, Lord, that's are about to steal, protect us. No, that is mockery. You know what they call mockery? Yes. You are mocking God. Like some one young, of course, many times we've heard this kind of thing. A young man is into fraud. He now hears a word. He now says he's going to stop after this one. Yeah. I always tell them that if you do that one, that's how to go to hellfire. That extra one you want to do, then you will stop. And in case you are hearing this, you are like that. There's no point. Because if you did that one and it yields for you, when you come back to God, he will demand you throw the money away. Without throwing it away, there will be no forgiveness for you. It's called bearing fruit in keeping with repentance. You can't go and steal, repent, and keep stolen money. No, you got to throw the money away. So it's pointless. I'm talking about mocking God. So you have to be careful you are not mocking him. You can't get on your knees to pray. And then you are are joining hands. Lord, I'm about to go and rig election. Help us. So our candidate will win. Listen, God will destroy you, destroy your candidate. Destroy your beaver's machine. Everything destroyable around you is going. You know why? You're mocking God. Like I told people the other day, say they'll pray. So let us pray. Let's ask God that his will be done. That they mention the candidate's name. I said that's foolishness. In a democracy, it is forbidden for you to mention any candidate's name when you are saying, God, let your will be done. It's madness. I said a lot. We said, let us stand, let us stand. This person must win. Are you stupid? You can't go and vote. So there are things you don't add. That's what I'm trying to make. I saw this political season. People were adding it. They come to God and kneel down and join her. This person must win. Brother, in case you did not know, that's the most ungodly prayer the church ever said. If you want to know my opinion, no, sorry, I withdraw it. If you want to know the word of God, read my book, Let Us Agree. Please read the book, Let Us Agree. Please go and read. It's not too late. God can forgive you for bad thoughts over the last few weeks and months. Please read the book. If you want to read it, go to our website, pastor.ng. Go under books. You will see it there. Let Us Agree. There are things you don't carry to God in prayer. You cannot impose a candidate on God through prayer. It is not allowed. I saw prophets who got up and said, go and vote for this person. You are not a prophet. You are in a political party. If you are a real prophet, prophesy and go and watch it come to pass. you hear what I said? I can't prophesy and say, please help my prophecy come to pass. Does it make sense? Look, look. What I have said is the word of God. If you want it to come to pass, all of you go and vote for this person. That's not prophecy. If you're a real prophet, you say it, then go and say, i will be laughing at us. You'll be laughing. You will be laughing. You will be laughing. Who will have, think about it. Let me remind people who don't understand. God spoke to Saul, Samuel. Saul is my anointed. I will send him to you. Saul lost donkeys. Father Kish lost donkeys. said, Saul, go and find it for me. That took him to near where Samuel was. They now went to Samuel and said, Hey, help us find the donkey. He said, don't worry. In fact, before they told him, he said, the donkey you are looking for has been found. But you, come. Come and eat with me. Sit by me. He anointed him. You are the king of Israel. Then he gathered Israel. If those who have not checked it, go and check it well. I've checked it again and again. He did not tell Israel who God had chosen. They began to cast lots. You know cast lots? Roll the dice. Who did the Lord choose? Who did the Lord choose? Is it the tribe of Reuben? Reuben, Reuben, Reuben? No, it's not Reuben. Who did the Lord choose? Who did the Lord choose? Is it the tribe of Issachar? No. Is it the tribe of Judah? No. Is it this? No. Is it it Benjamin? Eh. They roll the dice. Bam. It fell. Benjamin. Okay. So, tribe of Benjamin. Where are the clans? Leaders of the clan. They they cast laws again. Finally, they go to the house of Kish, the father of Saul. know what happened? Samuel was watching them. He was just watching them. He knew where they, they would get to. Throw your dice. The decision is in the hand of God. Finally, they picked Saul to fulfill the word of the Lord, which said, this is the man I have chosen. If you know how prophets operated, if the people had cast lots and they had picked somebody else, Samuel would have said nothing. Two things will have happened to him. He would have said, did I hear God clearly? Or is this man doomed? The person they picked wrongly. I don't know whether you're getting my point. That's just how he would have said it. Did I hear God wrongly? Or they picked a doomed person? Because this person will not last here. If I heard God correctly. I hope you're getting my point here. I'm going to emphasize something to us: how we handle God. Let me just get back to my message. In that process, I quickly went off a small tangent. I was trying to say that, yes, we do what is right. But we don't come to God on the basis of that. We continually do right. It's a sign of respect. It's a sign of faith. We cannot join our hands to pray, to go and steal. We can't do that. But we will not say because we did not steal. That's the basis of God blessing us. It is not. And let me end it here. Anytime you are praying, please, if it crosses your heart at how good a person you have been or the sacrifices you have made for the Lord or the offerings you have given or how consistent you have been in your tithing or how consistent you have been in fasting every once a week for the last one year, if it crosses your heart for half a second that because of these things God will answer you, kneel down and confess it as a sin. You will kneel down and say, Lord, you know last week in church when you were taking that offering, I made a pledge of 100,000 naira a month for six months. And you know that's going to eat most of the money I earn. It's a lot of money. So when I came to pray today, something in me was feeling like, hey, you will bless me for it. I want to say to you, Lord, I'm sorry. For thinking such a thought, I apologize. What I want to pray about, Lord, it is not because of that, please. That thought is just staying in my mind because of things I've heard over time. But now I know the truth, that you are blessing me because you love me. I am doing what I'm doing, because you give me the power and the ability to do it. After all, the money is not mine. Lord, let's just separate that. Now, let's get to my issue of prayer. I came to ask you about the expansion we're planning in my business. You first remove, because if you don't, the wrong teaching that you have been taught for a long time will persuade you to walk in unbelief and you will not know. You will get up from there and say, Ah, after we planted that seed, one man was there, he was preaching. He said, this money I gave him, this is your church. Last week, I'm waiting. I will come back with testimony of what it has produced. I said, these things are unchristian. The real reward for the thing that you did is the effect it has in the life of other people, and you see it. If I sacrifice for my children, maybe I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, of course I'm a father, I worked hard, sacrificed, denied myself, my satisfaction would be, ha! Ah, this boy graduated today. I hope you're getting my point. That my sacrifice was not in vain. That's the real reward. So please, as we're going to the matter of prayer, let me remind us again, I'm closing now, that we don't approach God on any other basis apart from the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Our life of righteousness, even though good, is never quoted for him in prayer. Our life of holiness, even though good, is never quoted for him in prayer. The seeds we have sown is never. A Christian, you must ne- if you want to ask God for something, ask directly. Don't give first. Oh, Apostle, I can't leave that thing. Because I can see confused people. I can feel their spirit. You want to ask God for something, they say, plant a seed. Have you heard this before? You have to to plant a seed so that God will have something to work on. Are you normal? (laughs) What (laughs) What seed did you plant for him to create the earth and the heavens? What seed? He needs something to work on. His word is not enough to work on. That's why I tell people. Don't sow into Kingdom World Ministries. Don't sow into my life. Do you hear what I said? What did I say? Don't let me be going on the road and plant <laughs> branches will be coming out. He said, Pastor, what is going on? He said, Nancy, don't want to plant. Last Bible study. If you want to give, I didn't say don't, say don't give. Did I say don't give? Sorry, did I say don't give? What did I say? Don't sow. What do I mean by don't sow? This idea, let me put it here then God will multiply it back for me. Don't try it with us. We don't accept it. Yes, we can't check it, but just know that we don't encourage it. What we encourage is, if you are giving to God, it's a matter of gratitude. You're like, Lord, thank you. You mean me too. You found me worthy to be able to give. That's what you're supposed to do. Can we rest for our feet. I want us to pray this evening. Just a prayer of thanksgiving. I'm done. But we're going to pray. A prayer of thanksgiving. What is the prayer? You are just going to spend a few minutes to thank God that He has accepted you the way you are without you having to bring anything. Do that. Do that. It's important. Say, Lord, thank you. Thank you because you forgave me, not by my own work. It's called grace. That is what real grace is. Say, Lord, thank you that you blessed me, not because of my own works, but because of the works of Jesus Christ. Give Him thanks for that. Say, Lord, I was a sinner. But like that tax collector, you had mercy on me. I wanted to give the Lord thanks for that. I'm going to spend some time on that. Say, Lord, thank you for I have received mercy. Lord, thank you for I have received mercy. Say, Lord, thank you for I have received mercy. And I will continually receive mercy. Thank you for Jesus Christ, the name of the mercy of God in my life. Say, Lord, thank you for Jesus, the name of your mercy in my life. Say, my father, thank you for Jesus. Give the Lord a thank you also. Say, Jesus, thank you for giving yourself. Thank you for obeying the father. Thank you for coming. Thank you for dying on that cross. Thank you because now I am accepted in you before the father. Thank you for making the promises of God mine. Now, it's an important prayer. Give the Lord thanks. The response right we say is the first sign of faith. It's the first sign of faith. If I gave you something, if I handed you this device and I say, please, I give it to you, you're looking at me. And I say, help me give the person behind you. Do you say thank you? No, no, wait, wait, wait. Just think about it for a moment. We're going to continue. If I handed this to you now, and you're looking at me, take it. Then say, okay, help me give to Akinlu. What do you do? You just hand it to him. It's not yours. What if I gave it to you? And I say, yeah, you're looking and I say, oh, I dashed you. What's the first thing you say? If you believe God has done good for you, tell him thank you. Is the first sign that you are receiving that which he has given to you. It's the first sign that you have received that which he gave to you. That all the abundance of heaven is yours without you having to work for it. <laughs> without you having to work for it. Thank him because prosperity is yours, not because of your seed. But because of his promises that you believe in. Thank him because healing is yours, not because you ate well. Or because your genes are perfect. But because he promised and he's the Lord that he led thee. And he himself took your infirmities and your diseases. And by his stripes, you have been healed. Thank you is a sign of faith. I want you to thank God this evening. because you, It's not because you deserve anything. Thank him because he gave you the ability to give. Not because you are so and so you, so you can receive. But because he gave you the ability to give. And he gave you the heart to do it. For those two things, give him thanks. Because he's the one that's at work within you, both to will and to do. It's a time of thanksgiving. I want you to give the Lord thanks this evening. Just count all these blessings, things we have talked about. You know you are a sinner. You know. But I want you to know more than that you have been forgiven. Uh-uh. And if indeed you look at your sins and you know you have been forgiven, what will you tell him? It's thank you now. Begin to give him thanks for forgiveness. For forgiveness that wiped away the records of disobedience. For forgiveness that wiped away the records of disobedience. What do we do to the Lord? We just said, him thank you. He said, oh, bless the Lord, oh my soul. And do not forget any of his benefits. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. That's what you do. Don't forgive your iniquities. Who redeemed your life from destruction? Who crowned you with loving kindness and compassion? Who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like that of the ego? (laughs) <laughs> it's a time for Thanksgiving. Somebody said, give so that God will have something to work on. He said, no, 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 no. He said, he that freely gave us his only son. How much more will he freely with him give us all other things? Give him thanks because he's giving you things. Freely, freely, freely. Give him thanks that your prayers are accepted. Uh, 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 listen, <laughs> it's, a, it's a powerful thing that God listens to your prayer. That you're a priest before him. And he listens to your prayer. Abimelech had to go to Abraham to pray for him. You, you can pray for yourself. Oh, give the Lord thanks for that. You, you can pray for your family. You can kneel down and ask God for your children. You can kneel down and ask God for your husband. You can kneel down and ask God for your wife. You can kneel down and ask God for your nation. Abba, give the Lord thanks again now. Oh, that is thanksgiving for this evening. Thank him for the discoveries you have made in the word of God. Like we give a few examples. He said, children are the heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is a reward, and it's a blessing to have a quiver full of them. Lord, thank you. That word is coming to pass in my life. I wanted to say that. Oh, Lord, thank you. That word is coming to pass in my life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. And not because of anything I did or did not do, but simply because you promised. He said, behold, I will cause prosperity to flow towards you like a river, and the wealth of the nations like an overflowing stream. Lord, thank you. Because you indeed are the one doing it. It's not me. It's not my strength. It's not my energy. It is you. It is you. My Lord, it is you. You said with long life will I satisfy you and show you my salvation. Thank you. Because I'm satisfied with long life. Not because of me, but because it is you. Oh, you are everything. You are everything. You are all things in all. Say, Lord, I thank you. Because you are all things in all. Lord, I thank you. You are all things in all. You are, you are the beginning. You are the end. You are the author, you are the finisher. You sow the seed, you brought the harvest. (laughs) He's the one that planted the seed, he's the one that brought the harvest. Bible says he ministers seed to the sower and bread for food. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you. The ability to do right, which we do continually, not because we want to get anything from him, but because it pleases him, we're created to do it. Good works, give him thanks for that. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Amen. Before we go, let's lift. You know, I said at the end, let's do that in Everybody open your Bibles quickly. Psalm 46. Psalm number 46. We are going to read a few scriptures. Everybody start climbing. You know what I mean? Climb that mountain. Climb that mountain. Look over the land. You know, you know Moses did that. Moses did it. God took him to a high mountain where he could see the whole land that God promised the people. The land of promise. Stand on the mountain in your heart and look over the land Nigeria. In this season, lift up the name of the Lord. Verses 1 and 2, we'll read it and then we'll go to 8 to 11. Are you there? 1 to let's go. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth should change and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea. Verse 8. Come, behold the works of the Lord. Who has wrought desolations on the earth? He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots with fire. Since striving and know that I am God, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Hallelujah. Read that verse 11 again. Now I want to prophesy over Nigeria. The Lord of hosts is with you. Say, say Nigeria. Nigeria. The Lord of hosts is with you. The God of Jacob is your stronghold. Say the Prince of Peace. Say Nigeria. Nigeria. The, Prince of peace. the Prince of Peace. Reigns over you. Nigeria. The Prince of Peace. Reigns over you. Of the increase of his government. Of the increase of his government. And, of peace. and of peace. Over you. There will, be no end. there will be no end. Say that again. Of the increase of his government, of the increase of peace over this land, over this land. There, will be no end there will be no end because Jesus is Lord over it. Because Jesus is Lord over it. Hallelujah. Praise Hallelujah. Praise quickly, Daniel chapter 4 again. We are lifting up these words. Please, do this when you get home. When you wake up tomorrow morning, do it again. Let's quickly read verse 3. If you are there, say amen. Alright, one 2 let's go. How great are his signs, and how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion is from generation to generation. Read that again. How great are his signs, and how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion is from generation to generation. Alright, quickly read verse 11. I'll read the first few lines, then you can join me. This sentence is by the decree of the angelic watchers. And the decision is a command of the holy ones in order that the living may know that what? That the most high is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows in on who he wishes and sets it over the lowliest of men. Now change that realm of mankind to over Nigeria. Okay? Verse 17. What did I say? I said 11. Don't be angry with me. No wonder you were not reading with me. I was wondering. Okay, verse 17. Let's read it together. I'll read, okay, I'll read that one then you follow. This sentence is by the decree of the angelic watchers and the decision is a command of the holy ones in order that the living may know that the most high is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows it on whom he wishes and says over the lowliest of men. Let's do that again. That the most high is ruler over the realm of Nigeria and bestows it on whom he wishes and says over the lowliest of men. And last of all, we'll read Psalm 22. And then we'll share the grace and be gone from here. We'll read verses 27 and 28. Can you read... Do you have a King James? If you have King James, please go over to King James. There's a reason. I love that expression in King James. It's a beautiful expression. If you don't have a King James, just look into somebody's Bible beside you. I want us to read it together. Are you there? Okay, one two, let's go. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn unto the Lord. And all the kindreds of the nations shall worship before thee. For the kingdom is the Lord's and is a governor among the nations. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Verse twenty eight. The kingdom is the Lord's and is a governor among the nations. Now remember you're on that mountain. Look over Nigeria. Point at that nation. Say the kingdom is the Lord's and is a governor among the nations. Is a governor over this nation. He has appointed his own ruler. He has appointed his own ruler. He has appointed the one who will do his will. He will, do his will. And, in peace, and in peace, he will establish him. He will establish him. In, peace, in peace, he will establish him. He will establish him. In, peace, in peace, he will give us peace. He will cause us, us to lie down in peace. And we will sleep in peace. We'll walk about in peace we'll about in because peace. he is the Lord. The Lord. He, makes wars cease. he makes wars cease. Say it again. In Nigeria, in Nigeria wars, cease. wars cease. In Nigeria, in Nigeria, in Nigeria peace, reign. Peace, reign. peace reign. Give the Lord thanks for 30 seconds for this nation. Say, Lord, thank you. Say, Lord, thank you. Because we are not afraid. We have no other country. We have no other plan. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed.